It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? villains and welcome to for the love of pomegranate podcast with me neil dunworth and the absolutely venerable paddy kelly again from the munster irish lions club how are you doing today paddy not too bad neil the weather's taking a bit of a turn now the country started to open up a bit but uh look we've got football back on the horizon so uh feeling good and feeling positive i've yeah for anybody who who's here in ireland um we should have expected this this isn't anything new. The reason being is every single year when the the kids of Ireland do their state exams, what would be the A-levels, O-levels in, in, in the UK, and here it's Leaving Cert and Junior Cert. Every single year for the three weeks of the Leaving Cert, it's unbelievable weather. Brilliant. The best weather you could ever have. Costa del Killarney is what, they, what, what you go to here in Ireland. They're the, they, they're the weeks you do not book holidays abroad because it's going to be good. And they cancelled the leave insert this year. So what do we expect? It was going to be crap. It's uh, wind and rain. Wind and rain. There was actually hailstones here. It was twenty six degrees on Monday, and there was hailstones today. So uh, <laughs> welcome to the to the outer extremities of the yeah. Atlantic Ocean, so, everybody. Now, now that the the fumes have started filling the environment again, so the yeah. rain has gone. Yeah, I started my car for the first time in nine weeks. It needed a jump start, so that was probably I'd oh, say really? build up of in the in the DFP was probably the reason for the climate for climate change all over the world at the moment. So uh, yeah, and if anybody wants to buy a car that barely starts anymore, uh, hit me up in in the. Um, yeah, I'll actually pay you guys to take it off my hands <laughs> at this stage. It's, it's keyless entry. It'll be class. You'll be able to open it up without having to use your keys. You'll be able to press all the women. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> but uh, speaking of women, and a great segue, 
on to the first part of our podcast. Congratulations are in order to the Aston Villa ladies football team. Um, news came down this morning, I think it was, that they are going to be heralded triumphant from the, from the Women's Super League Championship and are going to be promoted up to the top tier of women's football in, in the UK, which is absolutely fantastic. You know, these, guys, these, these ladies do as much work as any of the guys uh, on the field and they don't get half the credit, they don't get a tenth of the credit um, and and there's some absolutely sparkling footballers on 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 the on the for the women's team and and fair play to them you know they're going to be up they're going to be showcasing it um, in the top top tier of uh, English women's football and and you know couldn't be happier it's fantastic to see where they've come from over the last few years and fair play to them they're going to do as proud up in the top tier next year absolutely congratulations to them they they definitely deserve it they've been. Not that I claim to have seen many matches this year, but I, de- I definitely watched one playing lovely football. There's investment gone in there and the investment has paid off. And it's great to see them back in the Super League in the top flight. So uh, we look forward to bringing on the uh, the big teams again next year. So, And they won it at a canter, really. I wouldn't think there'd be any doubt of uh, or any argument with them being awarded the title no. because they were, they were winning at a canter, for sure. I, I think Congratulations. they might have been unbeaten. I think there might have been, yeah, yeah. Mm, should probably uh, check these things. <laughs> yeah, 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 we should Googleize that one. Uh, but yeah. no, it's as 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 I say, congratulations to them. There was no question that they were going to be um going to be promoted. You know, it's a, it's a, it's it's just fantastic. And and look, hopefully the hopefully the men can stay in the Premier League, and we can boast having two, uh, having both our senior teams in in the top leagues in years to come. And speaking as well Absolutely. about Premier League and years to come, we are on that knife edge of uh, the precipice of relegation or, prom- or staying up. Um, our fate is now known. We will be making uh, a return to football on the 17th of June um, at 6 o'clock, I think it is. Uh, yeah. So it's a good thing that we're in lockdown and nobody has commute. So that if any of us that are working at the moment, you know, at least we won't miss the game. But six o'clock is a beautiful time for us podcasters to be able to get on afterwards and get and get our, our feelings out. The raw emotion. If anybody's been listening to this podcast since the start, there were some hairy moments when I came on <laughs> full of piss and vinegar after some games. And uh, <laughs> if you like that, it's probably back now with the six o'clock games. So uh, yeah. we do. You'll, you'll have to go. You'll have to go back quite a bit of time to find Neil fighting with himself on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all the good, all the days, the days when no one could tell me I was wrong. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, so we've got Sheffield United, and look, for me, it's, um, this is, you know, you've got your old, your old cliches of, of six pointers, but realistically, this is a, this is probably an 18 pointer or 21 pointer because you have to start as you mean to continue. We have to get that, that uh, mem or meme or whatever it is of the Grim Reaper knocking on the door going again and to do that we need to beat Sheffield United we need to go on that run because you know it's I think we've got we've we've bigger fish to fry further down the line so you know we've we've got to play Chelsea after that Newcastle Wolves like Chelsea's not going to be easy Wolves will be extremely hard game as we found out against them in, in the first round of matches but uh, definitely Sheffield United and Newcastle are going to be the games that we're targeting of the four that have been announced that we want to get maximum points out of. And not a whole pile of fear. We're both coming into this fresh. Um, 
no, I fear playing the likes of Chelsea when they can use five subs a lot more than I fear playing Sheffield United when they can use five subs. Because changing changing half your team when you've got a squad like Chelsea's is is a big deal. But that's uh, that's just me having a, a bugbear with the league helping out the stronger squads. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> just as we go back into it again, um, wouldn't surprise me if they pull VAR in the meantime. But that remains to be seen as well. Yeah, that could be a good thing for us. Well, it, it may not. Because <laughs> you go back to the old days of the of the referees being intimidated. Now they've just got to put their hand to their ear and go, leave me alone, I'm checking. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they could they could very well pull it because I know I know they're talking of they can't have it in the caravan with the three three guys sitting in Stockley Park at the same desk and all that kind of thing. So it will be just our look that uh, VAR will go and all these offside goals will send us down. But you know we won't get too hung up on it just yet till they make that decision. But I would imagine it's a decision we're going to find out about in the next couple of days. I don't see why one person can make the decision anyway. I I can't understand realistically why the ref can't do it himself. You know NFL style that you don't need the guys inside in Stockley Park or wherever it is. He just. He knows what he blew the whistle for. He knows whether it was uh, whether he thought it was offside. He knew he knows whether why he didn't blow the whistle, should I say. So then if he goes and he sees something contrary to what he thought he saw, he can make a better decision. Instead of these three guys being in the caravan saying, Oh, I don't know what the ref thought they saw, but they didn't see the right thing, or maybe they did, and then they then they're trying to second guess or get into his brain as well. And for me, that's always been the flaw part of it. I haven't probably voiced it correctly whenever I've been speaking about uh, VAR, but if the ref makes a decision for one reason or another, it should be him that looks at looks back at it because if he looks back at it, he can see where he made the mistake, not to have somebody guess where the mistake was made. And it, it's quite disproven with the with the Firmino offside. Now, I know it went in our favour, but the Firmino offside with the, with regards to the, um, the armpit or Wesley's offside because his heel was offside. Like, give yeah. me a break. Like they're they're. They're just crazy incidents that should never have been in there in the first place. But yeah, but like you, you, you think they're 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 given these decisions in an armpit and and it stood being offside, and yet if you if you go back whatever it was six or seven years ago when Van Persie scored that wonder goal against us, he was offside, blatantly mm-hmm. offside, and he wins goal of the season from being offside. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's true. That, that's what it should be brought in for. Not not for someone like Wesley who wasn't even interfering with play, he'll be an offside. So mm. anyway, we could go on about that one all day. So well, you see, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Paddy we'll many times. Paddy, we're revving back up again. The season is back there. We need That's to have it. the same fervor. We need to be as as bitter about things as we were before <laughs> the season ended. So uh, don't ever apologize for revving back up into mid-season form again. Um, <laughs> But yeah, look, as I say, there's going to be some shitter bus games coming. Sheffield United, definitely one of them. Um, of all the teams to get out of the gap, um, I think Sheffield United would be difficult. I think it's a must-not-lose game more so than a must-win game. Um, it's a must-not-lose game. Obviously, look, I want to win it, and I think we're very, very capable of winning it. But a team like Sheffield United have been together for an awful long time. They've got a manager that's been with them. That know, they know the way he wants to play and they're almost brainwashed into the way he wants to play. But the worst part for me is Sheffield United had had done a lot of business in the January transfer window. And this has probably given them a time to assimilate them, albeit with mental repetitions and stuff like that and not being able to get in the field. 
So it could go one of two ways. These guys could click and hit the ground running, or he could introduce some of these new players that he's been itching over the last 12 weeks to see, and it could go, yeah. you know, breast over bum uh, for them. Exactly. But when, when you think of a club with, with the, the finances of Sheffield United, a win puts them into the European spots, and mm. that's absolutely huge. Um, and, and that's got to be their target. So they're going to be as pumped as us. Um, I've no doubt about that, but you know, I envisage this being a cup final. It's the first one back. Um, I, I quite imagine this is going to be like watching a game in the park as opposed to watching a Premier League game. I think it'll be frantic. I think it'll be more like Championship football. So uh, I think that's more in hope now than anything else. But um, I, I envisage that's how it's going to be. I think it'll be tip for tat and uh, two teams finding their feet again. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier on the podcast, today we're going to start chatting about wingers, right wingers, and do you know what, we might as well, we'll do left wingers as well, we're going to try and count down, keep continuing on, shall I say, the countdown of the best right and left wingers of my lifetime, dating back to 1985, that played for Aston Villa, and... uh, you know, right and left wing, jinky uh, wingers, whether they be jinky wingers, whether they be, you know, wide midfielders or whatever it is. Villa have had an array of these over the course of the last few years. Um, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's realistically like they've, they've had some good players, but they've had some really, really bad players. Like for a lot of the, a lot of the, the other position groups, we've done honorable mentions and we were able to get like three, four, five honorable mentions and, Oh, <laughs> it's pretty slim. This one's a bit tougher. Here. Yeah. This one's a bit tougher. Like, do we go? <laughs> do we give Michael Balding and do we give him an honourable mention? Um, Steve Maybe Frog not. Has gotten, would be a good honourable mention. Absolutely, an honourable mention for, yeah. for Froggy. Yeah, hundred percent. Steve Frog, you know, there's, there's there's a couple of people there that, that that have played the wing and have played it very admirably for Villa. But um, I think we're just going to go directly and straight into our uh, our right wingers and our top five. And starting off at number five. Um, I have been swayed. I actually found the right wingers more difficult than I found the left wingers, um, which is strange. And I've been swayed numerous times, and I've got a lot of things crossed out. But my number five at right wing is uh, Robert Snodgrass. Um, played in the championship, only played for us for one year. I had him out. I had him as an honourable mention, but I have deliberated and I've chickened out and I've bowed. Bow to what I think the people want, and I've put in Robert Snodgrass in there. <laughs> um, and to be honest with you, he like that 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 year of passion and and heart that he gave us. Um, it was was absolutely terrific in, in in the championship. And you know, he came up trumps. His delivery was really good. He was dogged in 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 everything he did, and he got the team. He really loved. You got a feeling that he loved to pump up the fans. And like he's all the talent in the world. You go back to his time when he broke on at Livingston. He played in central midfield, and he ran the show up in Scotland for a very, very small team at the time. It's a small time team, should I say? And they they were breaking up through the ranks and so on. He was a hot commodity. Obviously, he came down to came down to the UK, played with teams like Leeds and Hull and, and West Ham and so on. And for that one year, he 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 played at Villa. He was very very um, effective, and you know it was pretty much pity. And I think you kind of get the feeling from him that if it had transpired that he'd stayed at Villa, he would have been the happiest man in the East Midlands at the time. But um, I don't know. yeah, but look, it's it's uh, he's definitely in there at number five. And uh, who did you have a number five, Paddy? Again? Yeah, I agreed with you there. I had Snoddy in at number five, even though. 
he only played 40 games for us. I just, he, he was a guy who I really enjoyed watching playing for us. Um, you know, in those 40 games, one season, it was a long slog of a season too. 14 assists and seven goals in that season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, we cry out for someone to give us 14 assists, let alone the seven goals from the wing, you know. Um, really, really, really good guy. Obviously adored by the fans, more or less everywhere he'd gone. Um, you know, carved out a fantastic career. and I'd love to see him still there, to be honest. It's interesting, just to kind of derail the right wingers for a moment, it's meant, it's good you mentioned there that 14 assists, and that's something that we're kind of struggling with in the team at the moment, is assists, and, you know, we're kind of relying on on certain players to make things happen there, and to have somebody, to have somebody to come up with 14 assists over the last few games of the season, I think we'd be absolutely delighted, because 14 assists means 14 goals. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think for, if we were to score 14 goals over over the course of the next few games, I think we'd be absolutely delighted. Starting with Sheffield United next weekend, and somebody like Snoddy could uh, could definitely come in and or could could be somebody that we could have counted on to do that, as you say, because he is more of a creator um, than a scorer himself. Another person that I think we'd be delighted to have back, and had he not fallen through the cracks of boardroom turmoil, is who I have at number four, and he's a local guy. Um, basically watched the team from the whole end, uh, went on to win his Premier League medal at Leicester, and that's Mark Albrighton. Um, essentially gave you everything up and down that wing. Uh, when he first broke on, he was he had kind of scruffy hair, he had spindly legs, and he built himself up. He was just he was all all kind of energy and and an effervescence uh, was kind of what he had going for him. Um, you know, you couldn't quell his enthusiasm. He really loads and loads of endeavor. And over the years, he actually had a massive end product for a finish. And, you know, he was he was so, so determined and um, dependable at, on that wing. And I know that, look, he left on a free transfer. But as I say, I will I will say to this day that, that there's been lots and lots of players over that eight to ten year period in Aston Villa between the, maybe the last two years of Randy Lerner and when uh, the current owners own the club, whereby we lost a lot of talent that fell through because of boredom or people. And for me, he is definitely one of them, um, considering that, you know, maybe he didn't want to go, but, you know, when you're not being, you're not getting what you're, anything close to what you're worth, you know, uh, pastures yeah. can be green somewhere else. But Mark Albrighton comes in at number four for me. Who did you have at number four? Yeah, same. I had Mark Albrighton there as well. Um, the unusual thing about Mark Albrighton, as we get into the nooks and crannies now of this forward line, he's one of the few that would, would have left and still holds a, a place in our heart in, in that he still loves the club, still speaks very highly of the club. Um, always, always gave his best when he was there. You know, we couldn't fault him. Um, wonder how the managers let him go and let him go so easy when... You know, you look at him now, he get into a lot of Premier League teams without a shadow of a doubt. And we, we were we were letting him go for nothing. It's, you know, one of the greatest giveaways, you know, of the last, definitely of the last 10 years anyway, that's for sure. Um, as I said, big Villa fan. His, uh, his parents actually watched the, the FA Cup final with the Irish Lions in 2015. They were on a weekend to Dublin and came into Murray's at the time to watch the, the game with the, the Irish fans. Um, I believe the lads well at least I think that was the game where we were at it anyway maybe it was the semi-final um, the lads found out very quickly who who, was, who their famous son was and they were delighted to have them in there 
But um, yeah, one of our own smashing players, smashing lad, went on to unfortunately bigger and better things with Leicester. I never thought you'd say those words, you know, up till five years ago. But uh, there you go. Um, absolutely warrants a place in there at number four. Definitely. And and now when I'm looking at my top three, I think we're going to have the same top three as well. This is amazing because we didn't talk about this. And I think we've got the same top five for right wingers as well. And even probably in the same order. But number three for me is our Peruvian trumpet playing right winger, uh, Norberto Solano. He looked 85 when he was only 28. Uh, but by God, did he he never, ever ran like an 85-year-old. He was uh, <laughs> always able to play, whether it was uh, at times he was kind of deployed in a kind of a wing-back role as well for Villa during his period here. But uh, free kicks, delivery, another guy that you could you could account on for uh, assists and, and, and come up with a, that small bit of sparkle when he was uh, when he was with, with Villa. Um, I loved, he, he was a real bright spot. I think it was, he was on one side and I think Gareth Barry was playing uh, playing left wing at that time as well. We were playing two uh, kind of wide midfielders more so than wingers at that stage and they were the two, <laughs> definitely the two bright sparks on the team at the time. And uh, yeah, Norberto Solano, another guy who's been, no matter what team he's been at, he's been uh, been revered as being just a good guy, really good uh, kind of locker room presence as well, and um, a pro's pro. So, um, Norberto Solano, his golden trumpet comes in at number three for me. What about yeah, yourself? Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Yeah. Three for three. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not very often a player comes in and plays a season and a half and manages to win Players Player of the Year, Fans Player of the Year, and the local yeah. press Player of the Year. Um, I think he was just one of those guys throughout his time in English football that he just looked at and smiled. He uh, he, he had a fantastic skill, a great strike of the ball. Uh, fans loved him. Players around him loved playing with him. Um, again, one of those guys was you know good from a set piece, great delivery. Um, a shame we only had him for that short period of time. Uh, amazing that Newcastle sold him and then bought him back, but. Uh, yeah, absolutely in there, number three. Um, I would have been a big fan of his for sure. And I was delighted when he signed for Villa. I'm yeah. very disappointed again when he left. Yeah, yeah. He, lasting, like limited time he was here, he did have a lasting effect. And that is true, he did. He ended up being like uh, the, the the fans' favourite, the media favourite, the team favourite, the players' favourite, you know, in such a short time. And, and that's testament to the man as well. Um, Alberto Solano. At number two, I, I deliberated over this and um, I deliberated over the, the order of my top two. And the reason for that is because I uh, recency bias and that's to be really honest with it. I My, my top two are uh, James Miller and Tony Daly. Um, and I don't think that's going to be any surprise to anybody. And I deliberated with putting James Milner number one. And the reason that I did that was during that period that he played, he played for Villa, he was outstanding. Even his loan period when he was with us on loan and he was initially supposed to re-sign for us on deadline day and Newcastle pulled the plug on that and he had to go back home. And apparently he was crying on the way down the car because he felt messed about. And then later on that year, Villa came back for him and actually sealed a deal with a 10 or 12 million pound um, deal for him. That period of time holds just such fond memories of, of supporting Aston Villa for me. Um, it was the high, like the high time for uh, for Martin O'Neill and Aston Villa. We were flying high. We were rivaling the top five, uh, the top four, should I say, finishing 
more or less in the top five and we were we we were on the crest of a wave. Now, obviously, Milner would be probably more famous for the year that he put down, the year and a half that he put down at central midfield. But mm-hmm. the reason that I've got such a grow for Milner and for me, I, I don't think he's going to get into the central midfield when we get to do the centre mid of, 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 t- of, of this team. But for me... It, I, it, I found it really, really difficult to put him in at number two. So he finished at number two. And the reason for that is that in the last 15 years, last 10, 15 years, he's definitely been one of the players that's made me get up off my seat. It's made me look forward to watching Aston Villa specifically to see him. And also, like, for the casual fan, like, I follow Villa. My my dad at home started following Villa after I followed Villa. And then my sister, who's a, who's a good bit younger than me, she would actually text me and say, are we playing today? Is Millie playing? Is Milner playing? You know, and for me to like never to be watching sport on my own a lot of time, watching it with my dad or whatever. And the next thing, all of a sudden, my mom and my sister were asking me about James Milner. You know, that's <laughs> the way that he he caught fire for that year and a half, for that two years that he played, uh, that, that Villa were on fire. And, Ultimately, him leaving the team was the start of the demise. It was the reason that that um, Martin O'Neill left the club because he knew we were getting poor compensation back and we were getting Stephen Ireland back as well, and he didn't want that. So, you know, the losing us losing Milner really was the pulling the pin out of the grenade that it inevitably exploded and 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 capsized our our um, our lofty dreams of getting into the Champions League. So I put him in at number two. And I put Tony Daly at number one. So who who did you have at number two, Paddy? I think you're. Yeah, exactly the same. Um, I might add that this isn't going to be the same throughout the rest of them. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't I think our, so. I know our opinions differ when it comes to strikers and central midfielders, but um, yeah, not nothing but fond memories of James Milner. Um, thankfully, still fond memories. There, there's no bitterness with him. No leaving as a person I don't think he wanted to go but in hindsight it was a good move for him to go in the trophies that he did at Manchester City and of course is uh, currently playing with the champions elect as well so he's another Premier League medal on his way so uh, yeah I'd agree with you that he struggled to get into the centre midfield just just because of the, the the talent that's in there he probably would sneak in somewhere but maybe not as high as number two so yeah I can't argue with him being number two on this list, solely because we have such a fantastic footballer, Tony Daly, at number one. Yeah. And I probably have more, being, being a bit older than you, I probably have more memories of Tony Daly. And, but, and that's um, exactly it. Well, 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 exactly. Look, you'd want to be deaf, dumb, blind and stupid not to know that, uh, that Tony Daly was a fantastic footballer. And, you know, the amount of games he played for Villa, the amount of goals he scored. And, mm-hmm. and when I first started following really following Villa like 92, 93, uh, 94 and, and then those those golden years uh, that they had obviously I was young but my friends would like talk to me uh, even at 7, 8, 9 about Tony Daly because back in the day to be a winger you had to have really good close control with your feet and you know if you look back at, at, at wingers before, I mentioned jinky would be kind of the word that I would use. You know, to be a really good dribbler of the ball. And that's not to say Tony Daly wasn't, but he did that way faster than anybody else was able to do it in the Premier League. You know, he brought an element of almost track and field and an extra element of fitness. And you can see that in his current uh, position that, that he holds and his own fitness kind of uh, guru classes and, and, and websites that he does at the moment. And he's... Uh, was it TD7 supplements or 7TD uh, supplements that he has out at the moment? But um, 
he was the one who started, who ignited the the fast, you know, where you had to be fast and really good with the ball in your feet and have really good delivery. And to be honest with you, Absolutely. it hasn't really changed since he's come along. You need to have <laughs> no. all of those now, you know, and, and he was probably the forefather of that in the Premier League. And he was known for his speed. He was known for his his gracefulness on the wing. And, and also he was known at being a provider and scorer as well. So Tony Daly definitely would be up there at right wing. Like the, uh, yeah, and uh, you go back to as much as I love Robert Snodgrass. The only thing that he didn't have was that kind of pace. Mm. Um, he could turn a player inside out and leave them on their arse, but they'd probably have enough time to get back up and catch him. But if you, if Tony Daly left you on your bum, there was no way you were getting back up to, to get after him. Yeah. Um, could equally be as Tom on the left wing of this selection as well, mind you. Mm. Um, but that would be at the expense of a <laughs> of a couple of big names. But yeah. for me, my first trip to uh, to Villa Park was against Manchester City in 1991. Um, I think I told you about this before. We, uh, my dad had written to Steve Staunton to get the the players' lounge passes, and Tony Daly was one of the first players, and we met that day. And he was after scoring the most unbelievable goal off his left foot, ball crossed into the edge of the box, and he just hit it bang. Um, you know, on a on a snowy icy pitch in the middle of December, um, this guy just stood out a mile from all all the players that was on the pitch. Um, I remember walking down the steps of the Trinity Road, saying to my dad, "That guy is amazing." I was absolutely blown away by everything about him: His pace, finish, skill. Even as I said, on a bad December in in in. Uh, in the 90s where the pitches weren't great in May, let alone in December. Um, so, yeah, I've nothing but great memories of, of Tony Daly. And even a latter day, he's uh, he sta- he's stepped into Stephen's shoes in, in the season ticket beside me a couple of times <laughs> since uh, since we went back to, to buying a season ticket. Our, our friend Kevin Adams is a friend of Tony's and uh, I suppose the most famous day uh, I think I might have uh, jumped on top of him was the day that Alan Hutton scored the goal against the Blues. So <laughs> I'll never forget who I was uh, watching that game with for sure. <laughs> well, you, but, just uh, wanted, you just wanted to have a gra- have a grow up of his muscles. That's all you. His muscles. <laughs> but he's a, he's an absolute gentleman, and, and and as you said, his body is the temple. He, he, he looks like he should be mm. still playing. Um, absolutely looks fantastic. He's you know really looked after himself and and such a such a really good guy. Um, great with the fans even to this day. You know you see people, you know how, how much love they have for him. Um, that you know they they nearly fall over him to get a photo and he's you know really good guy. Um, might give him a shout and see will he come on the podcast sometime soon. More than welcome. You never know. More than welcome. Um. Yeah, and look, it's unanimous. I think uh, we all five we're five for five together on that on that list. And Tony Daly certainly he gets slotted in as a right wing for the greatest team since nineteen eighty five to play for Aston Villa. And we're going to quickly swap it over and move it over. Should I say there to the left wing? And this one's going to be a small bit more different. Um, we have a, a, a difference of opinion in a couple of places here. Um, and I'm going to start that off. Actually, we're, I, I think from what we spoke about earlier, I think we actually start off in the same in the same vein here. But uh, I have at number five. Actually, before we go into number five, some honourable mentions here. This is this is a really strange position for Aston Villa again as well. You know, at left wing, 
our left midfield, almost even a wide midfield position that we played, you know, we've had people play there like Patrick Berger. We've had people play there like David Ginola. And uh, I, 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 I really wanted to put Ginola in there, but I just couldn't <laughs> because I just couldn't because uh, he was just too far down the list. But I'll never forget, I fell down a, I actually, I fell down a, sty, down a styrap um, in, in my, my home house when I was a kid. Um, well, I wasn't even a kid at this stage, but I used to, I, I lived in an attic conversion, but there was a styra that went up to it, just in case my parents ever wanted to lock me away. You better, you better explain to our English listeners what a styra is. A, a styra is an attic stair, sorry, yes. It's an <laughs> attic stair, so it's one of those folding attic stairs. So we never actually got a proper um, stairs put in. It was just one of those folding attic stairs, uh, because uh, a lot of the time, especially during the summer, I would just probably feck off down to one of my friends houses and wouldn't come home for like about six weeks something along those lines and so if they wanted to they could just close up the stairs but anyway i lived up there so i was coming down that stairs and as i was coming down the stairs one day i heard uh, that doug ellis was after um purchasing david and left 3.5 million and as i was coming down the stairs the tv was behind the stairs and i tried to kind of hold on to the side of it and look around to see if i was I couldn't believe my ears, so I wanted to believe my eyes. And then I took a tumble straight down off the top of the stairs. But uh, yeah, it was a sore one, but um, not half as sore as how disappointing David Ginola was for Aston Villa when he uh, <laughs> for the rest of, for the rest of that that, that yeah. campaign. He had a couple of moments now, mind you. Yeah, I saw him score against Man City. The took day he took off, off. His, took his top off. Yeah, yeah, I was there that day with my dad, the Man City fan, my dad. So he wasn't too impressed. Um, don't think he was as bad as people made him out to be when he was no. there. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching him. He, you know, probably just didn't play enough games. Yeah, and you know, I I like him as a guy. He he like his time at Spurs was fantastic. His time at at Newcastle was fantastic. But look, he was at the tail end of his career with Villa, and it just it just didn't happen for him. Um, other guys that we, that were that sprung to mind, you know, um, were. The two Moroccans, Mustafa Hadji and Hassan Kashlou, you know, they played for Villa at one stage. I know Hadji is probably an honorable mention for the for the right wing position. Uh, two, uh, two other, uh, another two, should I say, underwhelming purchases for Aston Villa. Tore Villa apart whenever we played at Southampton or Coventry, respectively, and just didn't do it when they put on that uh, that Villa <laughs> shirt, unfortunately. But that's probably too too often we can say that. But my number five is somebody who certainly did it. Uh, a lot of time he did it from centre midfield. A lot of time he was pushed out onto the left as well to play, play as a left wing um, or a left wide left midfielder. And that is Tommy Hitzmansberger. Um, for me, uh, you know, he was a mainstay whenever he was in the team. He was tough tackling. And look, we just know him as the hammer. He was able to bang him in from 20, 30 yards. Um, there was a time when... Literally, he nearly owned uh, match of the day highlight reels for his uh, for his goals. Um, so fond memories of him, and uh, speaks unbelievably well about the club since he's left as well. And he's a good ambassador, comes across as a great guy. And yeah, I think he's fully deserving of number five on my uh, on, on the top five of the left wingers or left wide midfielders, should I say, that I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, um, funnily enough, I have him at number five as well. Um, Mainly because I think he should be in there somewhere, and um, probably didn't play the mo- most of his football at, uh, on that side. But uh, yeah, hundred percent, he's uh, he's in there for me. Some great memories, goals against the Blues, um, a merciful striker, the ball, fantastic to watch. 
um, good delivery, set piece delivery. He had, a, he had so much going from. Um, an awful pity for him that he was injured so young because he was yeah. such a cracking footballer. Like to think that he's uh, he's gone seven years and he like he's not even forty yet. So, but, but great career, you know. Got to play at World Cups, European Championships for Germany. So, so uh, fair play to him. Yeah, definitely deserves to be in there. Uh, I can't remember. He, uh, I presume more, the majority of his caps for um, for Germany came when he was at Villa, and not even not when he when he moved on to, to Stuttgart and obviously went on into Lazio and so on afterwards. But uh, I would imagine a lot of his caps came 2004. Well, no, actually most of them came when he was at Stuttgart. Most of them would have been at Stuttgart, I would imagine, yeah. yeah. They, they kind of p- picked from uh, from their own pool of, of their league players, really, didn't they, as well? Yeah. So yeah. that probably ha- hampered him a little bit playing for Villa, which has probably led to him going in the first place. Which is fair enough. Yeah. Everyone has ambitions to play for their, their country. But uh, yeah, um, you know, great career. Smashing, smashing lad, smashing footballer. Great to listen to. Um, I know one of the, the podcasts is the eighteen seventy four podcast yeah, I had him on recently. It was. it was it was nice it was nice to listen to him after after so long being away. But uh yeah, no arguments for me, he's in there number five. Number four for me is controversial. And it's controversial because I debated about putting him in my uh, right wingers list because when he came and played at Villa, he played at right wing. He's probably more famous for playing left wing for Middlesbrough. And he did play left wing once Ashley Young was pushed up front uh, alongside, uh, uh, or probably pushed into the hole behind uh, Agbon Horan and, and crew at times. But uh, I have Stuart Downing in there. I know he's not a favourite of yours. And I know he's not somebody you think highly of at all, Paddy. And I'd be surprised if you have him in your list anywhere. But uh, <laughs> I just like Stuart Downing. I think he was industrious. Um, I think, you know, he just he knew how to play the game of football. He was kind of a no-nonsense, no-frills player. And, and he's, uh, like, I think he's, he's, if he had kind of grabbed a badge and try and fist pumped the crowd as much as Snodgrass did, I think we think of him an awful lot better. But this is the difference about, about players, that what he did was orchestrated a move to Liverpool, had that photograph, whether it was photoshopped or not, with Andy Carroll, I think it was, holding up the, the Liverpool scarf, and kind of manufactured his move to Liverpool. And look, I suppose you have to take that into account when you're looking at players like this. But for me... When he was on the field for Villa, I thought he could do an awful lot of good things. He was a good, good delivery whenever he was there. He was steady. He was re- he was he was a good winger. He got a lot of England caps playing for playing for Villa as well. And and I think he's he's worth a mention. He's number four on my list of left wingers, even though he would have played a lot of right wing as well. Um, with Jude Ashley Young being there, but uh, yeah, Stuart Downing would be there number four for me. I'm not expecting you to have the same person there. Uh, I'd say if I was to pick a top 40 he wouldn't be in there <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong he, he wouldn't be far outside I just uh, never warmed to him a decent player never warmed to him just didn't see any passion um, did his job went home got up the next day did his job didn't didn't ever express any love for the club as far as I was concerned and then the manner he left really upset me so he he didn't uh, he didn't warrant a place in my top five. I did, however, probably controversially stick Lee Hendry in there because he probably would have spent a lot of his time coming through the middle. But uh, I felt he had to be in there, you know, for me to play over two two hundred and fifty games for the club. Um, great servant, great lad. Um, 
lucky, luckily enough to play with him and against him a couple of times in the Lions Club uh, games at the end of the season. Um, really good with the kids. Uh, you know, really, really looks after the Villa. Turns up for everything they they ask him to do. Um, you know, you can't you can't fault him as a person or as a player. Gave everything he had for us. Obviously, not without his faults, misdemeanors, and you know, as as we learned a few weeks ago, you know, ha- had his own demons as well. But uh, smashing footballer, smashing guy, and for me, I'd have him in there at number four. And I had him at number three. So we weren't too far off in that. And the reason I had a minute number three was that like there was one season uh, and, and I'm, I'm blanking on the actual season now and I don't have uh, don't have any, any reference point up in front of me. I think it might have been 2004, 2005. And he went on a scoring spree and he was basically unstoppable for about eight games. And he was a joy to watch. When he first broke onto the team, he was electric. You know, people were standing up and taking notice of him as well. Guy came through our... our our uh, youth squad, we spoke about him in Harry's Heroes in the previous episodes. We also spoke about, you know, where he came from, his dad being a professional footballer. He was on the books for Blues for a very short period of time as a schoolboy and realised, no, this ain't going anywhere, I'm going to Villa. And the fact that, that Ron Atkinson uh, basically more or less put his arm around himself and Darren Byfield and introduced him into the squad. And, and, and you know, Lee Hendry basically took to it like a duck to water. As you mentioned, did have a couple of misdemeanors, did get caught up in the high life, and they get caught up in maybe some financial issues and so on. And it didn't end the nicest way for him at Villa either, because I think he was kind of bombed out of the squad as well by uh, by um, I think it might have been Martin O'Neill as well. But you know, he put in some great service for Villa. Um, he was electric when it, on his day when he was playing. He was really, really good, and, and he was a mainstay. And look, he's another guy that that, that loves the club, and uh, I had him in at number three. You good? Can I argue with that? Um, my number three is uh, slightly different in the fact that you, you probably didn't see him play for Villa. <laughs> no, and I, I think I know you have as well, and and that's why I didn't put him in there because I didn't <laughs> like unless unless I was sat down in front of the TV with the rattle and the bottle, I wasn't able to. I, I wouldn't have seen much of him. I would be more synonymous with him. I think I know you're going to say. I think it's going to be Mark Walters, isn't it? It is Mark yeah. Walters, yeah. I see him in a um, different jersey on when I picture him and close my eyes. So exactly, yeah, and uh, and 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 that uh, that sticks in my my goat as well that I picking him in there with uh, his Liverpool and Rangers connections, two clubs who I wouldn't love too well now, but uh, it's um, you know another guy that could be playing on the left or right. Didn't as I said, I, did, I didn't see too much of him at Villa either, to be honest. But you know, when you look back at the you're saying it's from 1985. He deserves to be in there. Mm. He was a cracking footballer, you know, uh, highly thought of everywhere he's gone, and especially so at Aston Villa. Um, you know, you only have to look at YouTube to see some of the stuff that he, he's done for Villa, Rangers, Liverpool, and everywhere he went. So for me, he had to be in there somewhere. Not quite as good as the top two for me. So I have him in there at number three. I deliberated over, not over who my top two were going to be, but I deliberated who I was going to put number one. And this is very much, uh, I probably burst into flames after this, and I'm probably going to have people questioning whether I'm an actual Villa fan after this. I can guarantee you I'm an actual Aston Villa fan. But... I'm not liking the sound of this, Neil. 
<laughs> I I went with the right. I went with the right choice. I went with the right choice. Uh, and at number two, I've got Ashley Young. Um, it was between Young and Grealish for me. At number two, <laughs> I went with Ashley Young. Um, look, Ashley Young's that last minute winner against uh, against Everton. Um, oh, he was brilliant. He was a catalyst. He was the cat- if Milner was the grenade, the putting the pin out of the grenade that blew up the Martin O'Neill era. Ashley Young was certainly the catalyst for the for Martin O'Neill era. I remember when we signed him. I remember I was speaking to an Arsenal, Arsenal supporter mate of mine and he gave me the lowdown on Ashley Young. Obviously, Young had just been in the Premier League that year with, uh, with Watford and we'd seen that he was, he was good. Once again, really, really skinny, spindly guy. But he gave me the lowdown on him because it was more or less a done deal. He was going to Arsenal and then all of a sudden Villa signed him. Another day that I walked into work with a pep in my step because we, we signed him, I think, Either early in the morning it was it was announced or late at night. And I, I remember that I walked into work with, with a pep in my step that day. I didn't do too much work. And uh, this is in a job whereby uh, I regularly got tapped on the shoulder and was told, stop, stop fucking surfing on, uh, on Villa talking heroes and villains. <laughs> regularly was talking about it. I worked, I worked in an architectural practice. Uh, I worked as an architect. And I thought I'd get away with looking at Villa talk that they might think I was looking at some Spanish buildings website. Uh, but they copped on pretty easily. And they found out that it was an Aston Villa website. So, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a bone of contention for a period all, all, of time. All I can say is you're lucky you weren't looking at the websites that Ashley Young was looking at, if you recall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah but he was yeah the sun that the sun uh, you, you might have got more than a warning when they tipped you on the shoulder <laughs> yeah 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 that was it but uh yeah Ashley Young was fantastic once again pace uh I was gonna say pace and power but he had pace and his shiftiness and you know defenders had to keep on their toes and look he's reinvented himself even since he's moved on he's he's out in um out in Italy at the moment playing a wing back position you know I if you were to tell me Ashley Young would have turned into a very capable left back um for a team from a team like Man United playing in the Champions League and moved on to a very defensive league like Italy playing wing back or, or even just as a, as your normal regular left back I would have actually said you were in, you were insane because there was a time with Villa whereby he almost demanded to play in that hole behind the strikers and he wanted to be that link man. And there was a time when he yeah. wanted to play up front beside Carew as well when Agbonor was injured. And, you know, for him to be able to... Basically, he's more or less played everywhere. Up, he, He's been a, a James Milner-esque type player the way he's played all the way up along that left side in towards the centre and so on. F- f- fantastically gifted player. Um. And to be honest with you, to go to a team like Man United kind of kind of ruined him because they didn't appreciate him anywhere near he should have been appreciated. Yeah. He went there kind of ha- more or less in his prime as well. And they were down on him from day one. They they were scoffing at his transfer transfer fee of 18 million at the time, I think it was. And there were kind of some people were saying it was too high. A lot of United fans will look at the team that he signed from and decide if he's good or shit because he's signed from a certain team. And that exactly. like I used to get that from United United Sporting mates of mine as well. They go, oh, but he only came from Villa. He can't be that good. And I was like, fuck off. You know, yeah. like, you know, watch watch football and don't just read the Same conversations books. we're getting at the moment with them talking about Jack going to, to Man U. Oh, um, I, it, you know, it's, it's the one club I don't want Jack to go to if he does leave. Um, exactly. Yeah. But, but it, yeah. If ever, yeah. If ever there was a club tailor-made for somebody... Uh, <laughs> As good and all as Ashley Young was, when, when just before he left, he, he had learned his unbelievable knack at diving. But yes. he didn't real he didn't realise that Villa don't get away with diving. 
So we went to the perfect club to get away with diving. And sure enough, on his return to play us, he uh, he dived and won a penalty, which yeah. unfortunately is one that sours it for me. And then celebrated with scoring a goal. But anyway. Did he replace Ronaldo? Um, question. Is that one of been... the reasons maybe why they didn't take him or they didn't give him a chance or they didn't like him? Yeah, Ronaldo got on that. Yeah, but Jesus, 10 years ago now, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, well, fair play to him. He's, he's some longevity, you know. He's 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 he became a kind of a captain, didn't he? Captain United as well, I think. And he, he, he did, I, yeah. He's captained Inter when he's been out there. I think he might even be club captain for Inter at the moment, you know. So he's forged the career. There are two things I would never have said about Ashley Young uh, oh. in, in 2007 is first of all, playing in a defensive role, and second of all, being a, a, a captain or, or a game captain, even never mind a club captain. So um, he's yeah, forged yeah. a great career. And I, I did battle and I did have, you know, yo-yo on him being uh, being number one left midfielder that I've seen or left winger that I've seen. But look, mm. you know, I'd be fooling yourself if you didn't have uh, if you didn't have Jack Grealish number one because um, Jack Grealish is the best soccer player I've ever seen play, best talented soccer player I've ever seen play for Aston Villa. Like he's just. Um, and, and that's mm. not to say there haven't been better players than him. It's just the best one that I've seen play in my lifetime. The way that he takes that ball, that game, that game in 2015 as a kid against Liverpool, he ran the show. He ran it from like that deep midfield position almost, playing like yeah. played like Pirlo that day. He was immense. Um, he was just fantastic. And, and he's grown since and he's gotten bigger and he didn't stay that small, scrawny kind of stature. Like we've, like Albrighton never really, really bulked, bulked up. Uh, Ashley Young never really bulked up. But Jack Grealish has gone, he's had a kind of a transformation, almost like a, a Garrett Bale transformation. Not just because he's grown his hair long and wears an Alice band now. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's had the transformation of whereby physically, his physical stature is, is morphing before our very eyes. Um, and so is his game. His game has gone from being just that guy who hugs the sideline now to being all things to everyone. And and you know yeah. he's following a he's following actually a pretty close trajectory to um to 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 Garrett Bale um from a skill wise and, and and obviously I don't think he's going to get the adulation for it because the media doesn't like to like him. But yeah, absolutely, Jack Grealish number one for me. And um and. You know, it's the right decision to make, but there was a time when I had a weak moment that I nearly put Ashley Young at number one <laughs> when I was deliberating over this. But uh, it's mm. all right. I put down the, I put down whatever, um, whatever I was drinking in that very moment, and uh, I slept in it, and I woke up and came to the right decision. Well, I think I think when we look back on this in, in years to come, regardless of whether Jack is still there or not, you're going to ask yourself, are you mad not to fit him in there somewhere? And to me, he's reinvented himself out there. I actually like, because a lot of people don't like him wide on the left. I, I like seeing him out there. I, th- I think he creates an awful lot of space. Unfortunately, we haven't got the talent to, uh, to, to come up and utilise it. But uh, we, might, we might develop into a team that can do that. But, you know, he's, he's, he's a fantastic footballer. He's, you know, an absolute loss to Ireland because, you know, I, I reckon we would have built our national team around him. Um, so I can imagine what it would be like for Villa to lose him. You know, you want you you would really want to be commanding an astronomical figure for him, because talent like that doesn't come along too often. And no. I think no matter where he goes, where, whether he stays or not, 
it is only a matter of time before he's he's a regular in the England team as well. I don't know why he's not already. He's by far and away, you know, I, I can't see another Premier League player that will keep him out. Um, I thought myself it was maybe the wrong decision to declare for England. I thought he had a huge opportunity to have the Irish team built around him. Um, but, you know, he, he's, got, he's going to be hot property, especially if, if, if worse comes to worse and we're relegated this season. Um, to, to have an Englishman in, in your squad is going to be detrimental for one of the teams that's playing Champions League football. So, you know, fingers crossed we stay up and truth to his word, he'll, he'll stay on as long as he can. I'd like to think he's going to be a one-team a one uh, team player or one one club player. But uh, without a shadow of a doubt, he, he's, he's probably the best player I've seen play for Aston Villa with regards to skill. Yeah. Um, and just out and out trickery and you, you, know, you don't know what way he's going to turn. Um, it's so unpredictable. Really, really good player holding up the ball. Um, criticised him before from his crossing and corners and stuff like that. That's all come come along a, a whole lot better. His delivery is much better. Um, I just think whatever he is next season, he, he's going to be the complete footballer then. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, we see that in the next few weeks. <laughs> I have a. I have a um a hypothesis that he will go to I just I just obviously don't want to see him leave but I have this kind of I, I don't know whether it was a premonition or whatever that if he does leave that I see him in a Dortmund jersey don't ask me why I think he's <laughs> I think it's it's something along the lines of somebody will pay crazy stupid money for Jordan Sancho then overpay for him Jack Grealish will go as his replacement for Dortmund and uh, we get a very, very fair fee for him. But the only problem is if he does go to Dortmund, we don't get, you know, he'd be willing to pay something like 30, 40, 50 million for him. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I don't want to lose him. I never want to lose him. For me, for me, I think he's, uh, he's tailor-made for Barcelona. Yeah. Especially given the, per- the period that they're going to go into, you know, where apparently they've got seven or eight players who have been told they can move in the summer. Mm. So they're going into a whole new rebuilding process and, I would imagine someone like Grealish should be top of their list if he was available. And I know who I'd pick out between Man United and Barcelona anyway, that's Jeez, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd want, yeah. Um, for sure. And look, I, I it's it, there's there's a couple of teams, look, I, I don't want to leave, I don't want him to leave, but there's a couple of teams I could stomach him leaving for, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the way that you want that. And I spoke about it as well. I spoke about it, I think, when we were talking about Alpe, where he's... Um, you know, he, he wanted to leave to go to Barcelona at the time. Barcelona were sniffing around at him around that time. And I couldn't begrudge him leaving there. And just like, you know, you couldn't begrudge uh, the boy Wonder to leave and go to, go to Barcelona either. But uh, look, as I say, I hope he never does leave. But he is number one. And I don't know why we're lamenting him here as if he is leaving. We should be celebrating oh, yeah. for what we have. Absolutely. Uh, but, but no, he's, he's a cracking player. Absolutely delighted that he's, he's part of the team. But I think the fact, in, the fact in itself that we're talking about him in such high esteem, you know, that, that, pays tribute to the talent that we have there and the talent that he is. So if we think he's capable of, you know, playing Champions League football for Dortmund or Barcelona or Man United or wherever it may be, um, you know, good luck to him, whatever he decides to do. He's, you know, he's, he's done over and above 
what we, we could have hoped from him in the last five years. Obviously, I'd love to get another 10 years out of him. So, fingers crossed, we stay up. The money is there. We keep him there. We build a team around him. And we have this conversation again in a few years' time. And we're still smiling about the best player ever to play. And maybe it'll be for the love of Jack Grealish podcast in three or four years' time. You yeah, never know. Exactly. We're all, well, I don't know. We have to have a word with God. <laughs> have to have a word with Holy God Himself, and see if see if we're allowed. But uh, uh, yeah, we might put it to a fan vote. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's more or less it for us guys. We're uh, that's that's the left and the right wing uh, conversation. So uh, Tony Deddy slots in at the right wing. Uh, Jack Reddish slots in at the left wing. So the team is shaping up nicely. Got a nice blend of, uh, of 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 kind. Of, I was going to say youth and experience, but they all seem to be very experienced at this <laughs> stage. Um, but we're going to come back to you guys later on uh, over the next couple of days, and we're going to do central midfielders and strikers. We're going to round out the team uh, that we have at the moment. And um, yeah, as I say, we're going we're going to do that. We're going to look at central midfielders and the strikers. I am one million thousand and a half percent sure that we are not going to have the consensus that we've had on the right and the left wingers for those two so stay tuned for it and then we're going to ramp up our uh, our podcasting as we get back into the new week uh, or the new league year should i say next week and uh, i don't know about uh, you guys but i'm really looking forward to sheffield united next wednesday already so uh, if you aren't uh, if you know of somebody who isn't already following the show you can follow us on at mac for the love of on twitter you can give us a like on facebook we really appreciate that but most of all if you know somebody you think might be interested in this podcast please tell them about it and please ask them to subscribe and we really really appreciate it if there is anybody out there that likes to give podcast um ratings and podcast you know testimonials and on whether it's apple podcast or spotify please give us a five-star rating and maybe a written review as well we really appreciate it. it just helps us to grow up we're not doing this for cash money or anything we're just doing this because we like to talk villa and, and, and we want to get to know as many of you guys as absolutely possible. And the only way to do that is to get the podcast out there. So please, please, please share it out and about there. As I say, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Mac for the love of. You can follow Paddy on Twitter at Villa Paddy as well. And as I say, we'll be back to you later on this week with the central midfielders and the strikers of the greatest team that we've seen since 1985. And all that's left to say is up the Villa. Up the Villa. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.